Let's start with some tough love, all right? You two suck. Say my name. That's what the kids call Prissy guy with the mustache. You're listening to Inside the Gillivers, talking all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. Brought to you by the Royal Bobbles Collection at Bobbleheads.com. For all your favorite characters from the Gillivers, shop the Royal Bobbles Collection at Bobbleheads.com. Also brought to you by Rode Microphones, the official microphone supplier of Inside the Gillivers. See their entire lineup today at Rode.com. Now, please welcome your host, Eric Broadbent. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us for Season 2, Episode 11 of Inside the Gilverse, where we talk all things Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, <laughs> and El Camino. Uh, my name is Eric Broadbent. It comes with great pleasure to welcome tonight's guest. You know her as Francesca Liddy from both Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, actress Tina Parker. Tina, how are you? Nice to have you here. I'm awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm kind of like nervous, strangely, but I'm excited to be here. <laughs> hey, me too. Every week, it's same, it's same thing every week. I'm nervous too. And that's, I think that's a good thing. You know, you've got lots of theater experience and on-camera experience. I think when you lose your nerves a little bit, I think that's something to worry about, isn't it? it yeah, most definitely. When you're not nervous, you're probably creating a big pile of crap, would be my guess. I think so. <laughs> I think so. But yeah, it's great to have you here. And uh, we've been trying to put this together for a little bit. And uh, thank you for adding me as a friend on Facebook as well. Too nice to communicate with you there. And uh, yeah, we're going to kick off the weekend talking about something that we both love. We all love so much here when we'll be talking with a lot of fans from around the world. And that's uh, Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. And it's just so nice of the fact that you've had the opportunity of being in both. That's going to be quite the uh, the thrill for you. Man, it's it's like the gig of a lifetime. Like, uh, you know, when people I've had a lot of like little parts and different things all over, but it's still, I think, hands down my favorite thing I've ever done. Um just because, dude, it's like the work's so good. You know, like I'm not talking about myself, but mm-hmm. just like I'm a huge fan of the show. So the fact that I'm even on it, like even sometimes it was like, I have one line. I'm like, woohoo, you know, like I have one line. I love it because I just love the show so much. So I'm super thrilled that I'm part of it. That's that's good. And I mean, your character, I was looking it up. I think I was uh, on one of the Breaking Bad wikis or whatever out there. I think it was 18 episodes you've done, but both Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So, so some serious, so some serious time for sure. For sure. I've spent a lot of time in New Mexico. <laughs> and I hear it's a, lo- a lovely place to be too, right? It is actually, it is, you know, like I think it's, isn't it called the land of enchantment? So yes. I think it lives up to that name for sure. It's a definitely a special place. It is. It is. Wonderful things for sure. Well, we're going to jump over to some questions coming in right now from the fans here. And I'm going to jump back to some of mine. Uh, we have a super chat from Lisa Love. And she says, when you didn't hug Saul back when you were both sh- uh, shredding up the office, I could literally feel your disdain for him. Do you feel your character was just too uh, through with him at that moment? Uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, they've been through a lot and he's asked a lot of her. And this was just finally enough we're we're at the end of it you know what i mean and so there's no hugs and probably zero f's to be given at that time mm-hmm. so it's just like we're out make sure we get some money in my account son you know so for sure no hugs on that one <laughs> and we'll talk later too throughout the program too about the uh the transformation of francesca from this you oh, know yeah. you know this big time transformation uh, from Bob Rich, uh, Tina, you've been in many fine productions in film and TV. What are what are the essential ingredients for a truly great show? Is it passion, a fresh, unique perspective, a great story, or characters we relate to? I personally think it starts with the it starts with the story. It starts with the script, and you know, like as you guys know, as fans of of this universe, 
they've got a hell of a team putting this together. Um, and really the attention to detail um, is just insane. Cause I just remember my first, um, my first episode, my, when I've got the job, like I remember like, I think I had like one scene and a, which got cut and then like one line from a distance, but like just going in the costume zone alone and seeing like, here's the color palette that everybody selected and this is the transition and nobody can be in this color. And this is the color story we're telling. And then, I mean, it was, it, you know, just the love of the craft of it and the, and, and the attention to detail. Like I, I loved listening to the podcast, which I'm sure everybody on here has listened to mm-hmm. it was airing um, just knowing like, you know, certain details that came out in later episodes, like, oh, that's been on the writer's board since season three. And this has been here since this. And this is what we wanted. And you're like, oh, yeah. And when you go back and rewatch, which we all have watched it how many times now during the pandemic, um, it's fun to kind of see all those like, oh, that detail here. Or, oh, this triggers this. And oh, this is why this happens in Saul many years later in production. So for me, it starts with the story. I mean, I've been on a number of shows and And that's to me always what's made the difference is that plus having a, you know, from the top down, having a team of creatives that are really um, lovely humans first and foremost, and like invested, everybody's invested in what you're creating. And so everybody, it kind of pushes everybody to do the best they can. Cause that's the thing I remember most about both Saul and Breaking Bad all my time on there is that, everybody was excited about working, you know, like, sure, there would be long days and sure people get testy and tired and all of that. But I'm not saying no, everybody was like, it was like sun and roses all the time, but it was the thing, you know, like even down to like even PAs or people that, you know, they were just excited to see where the story was going to go. Um, I remember when we shot the scene that they were talking about where you, with, we're shredding papers in that episode of the last episode of Saul that I was in um, where um, the flash forward, so to speak, mm-hmm. The, the some of the crew had never been in the Breaking Bad Saul office. Oh, right? cool! And so everybody was just so like, <laughs> like just the just it was so like electric because everybody was just like, you know, like and it was exactly the same and yeah, you know, Bob and I were like, it's the same, but everybody's like, it's fantastic or whatever. Um, so it's just it's just a fun place to create, and it's a and you know, and, and it enables you as an actor or as creators to to go further and and because people are take pride in their work and are excited to, you know, excited about what's happening. So those to me are the projects that, you know, that I've loved working on in a, even ones in addition to Saul and breaking bad. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a wonderful story too. And I can imagine some of the people that were in, you know, able to take part in that set. It's almost like being a, you know, a Star Trek fan and being in the enterprise deck. You know what I mean? Wouldn't that, you know, totally. Well, I'm just watching like all the, it's such a, you know, all the walls that come out and like the columns that are so crappy and can yeah. knock around. And, uh, yeah. It's just a fun, bizarre and seeing old pictures that they took of, you know, Bob, like it's just yeah. funny. It's just funny to see it to me. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, some of that, that scene, especially as well too. Some of the audio questions that are coming up there. I know there's a question in particular uh, from that. I think it's from Kathy. But something I'm going to do, I wrote, wrote this note down because I always forget to ask this question. And this was something you and I were talking about. Tom Schnau is off the air. And uh, Tom and Tom's mom, if you're watching, hello. Uh, um, but Tom started this. So there is an official answer to this. So we like to look at the Gilliverse, which encompasses all the three shows, right? It's the universe right. that encompasses all of Vince's work and Peter's work. There is a particular smell in the Gilliverse, all right? 
And it's a two word, it's a two thing answer. And I always like to try, and Tom and I used to like to try and get our, our guests ideas on what it might smell like um, in the Gilliverse. So I'll give you an example. One of my thoughts when this was proposed, I, I liked, you know, Jimmy wanted to get that desk made of Coca-Bola wood. So I thought it might smell like Coca-Bola wood and something. So I'm going to propose a question to you. If we took off on our ship to the Gilliverse, what do you think it might smell like in the Gilliverse? Hmm. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, it's funny because that first thing I reflect on is just that waiting room that we have in front of the office. So I think it just smells like old cigarettes and regret, but you know, <laughs> that's <it's good>. like, <laughs> but that's just like, that's total breaking bad. That way, for some reason that waiting room just popped into my mind <laughs> and it was just like, they would fill it with the weirdest and funkiest looking people. And I was like, woo, there's a lot of sad times up in here every day. Yeah. In a great way. But yeah, that's, <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking old cigarettes. Like it smells like an old ashtray. Um, hey, that, if that's your answer, that's a good one. Those are good. Is that, <laughs> is that what you're going to go with? Old cigarettes and regret? I guess so. Okay. Well, I'll keep thinking about it. I'll, I might re- revise when I come to the end. But that's, no problem. Would, well, yeah. I'll, I will tell I'll give you the answer now. I'll tell you what it is because that's a good one. I'm going to put that up high on the scale of, we've had like, uh, oh, what was the last one? Gun smoke. And, oh, I forget the answer. Uh, my beautiful Sandra Lee will know the answer to that one. I forget what was said last week. Um, but the answer is bacon and fear. Mm. bacon and fear. Vince even got bacon. He didn't know what the other one was. He says Vince Gilligan thought it would smell like bacon and something, uh, but bacon and fear is the answer. So bacon makes sense. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And everybody's sweating it. So that makes that scent of fear totally makes sense to me. Too. That's right. And as you know, we talked about Tom Schnauz. Tom Schnauz puts bacon on anything. So it's got to be bacon, right? I think he well, has- and it features pretty prominently, prominently in the, in the Breaking Bad universe. I haven't seen so much bacon in the Saul universe, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Bacon will be coming. Maybe that's the whole, it will just be all bacon all the time. Season six. You'd never know. We'll find out for sure. (laughs) Here is a question coming in from Josh Gordon. Uh, Josh says, uh, did the writers give you any inside info about um, the hitting on comment? Saul gives you on the phone. No, nothing. No, I just read them and it's like, wow okay and they're like you just deal with it in the room um yeah no i know that uh, i remember in breaking bad i think i was one of the only i was one of the few characters that could wear low-cut shirts okay um for fun and i was also one of the only characters allowed to wear marie's purple at one point oh wow Um, and she was walking through the set and she was like you're wearing my color and i was like (laughs) oh great (laughs) or whatever um but yeah, I remember with the low cut shirts, like that was, I always just joked with the costumer at the time during Breaking Bad. I was like, I think, I think she's insisted on an allowance, like, and she gets to pick her own outfits. So I get a clothing allowance to wear these, you know, and I, at that point, I think I had like a low cut green snakeskin turt, you know, top or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, no, they don't give me any of the, I mean, it's always a surprise every time. Of course, it becomes a running joke with my friends. They'll, you know, call me HT and. All sorts of good stuff. <laughs> oh, that's John. fantastic. Well, it keeps you on your toes, right? You have no idea what's coming, do you? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and it's Bob, so he'll have a lot of fun with him, too. So I bet. I bet. And he's so not that guy, so it's kind of fun. To be yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you're a polar opposite of what your character is playing. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's great. Here's a question from Zoko Santos, and it's a, a similar question I was going to ask, so we'd rather ask from Zoko. says, do you have any memorable moments on set in Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul? And what was it like working with Aaron Paul and Bob Odenkirk? Um, gosh, there's a lot. I, um, 
I will say on set with everybody, like that's the thing. Like when I say the thing about from the top down, everybody is so nice. Like that was the thing that impressed me. Cause like literally I'm coming in in the middle of some, it, you know, this is pre COVID, but you'd fly in, do your scene in a day and then fly back out, you know, or whatever. Like I didn't have like long arcs of scenes until really I got to saw where I had a little more time, but um everybody from the top down knows who you are knows your name like ask about the theater like that was the thing that was so impressive to me is like you're you know i remember i forget which season it was might have been the last season of breaking bad i remember coming on the set and brian was like you could tell he was super tired and he was all aged up like for the future you know wearing his jacket and i was like oh my god like this makeup was amazing and he was like how's your theater doing and you're like what like you remember that i even run a theater like and same thing, same thing with like Vince and Peter and like all those guys, they know your name. They know like, oh, hey, when we were last talking, last time you were here, how's that going? Or, and, you know, so friendly, just like, like how you would talk to your best friends. So they just nice, nice people. They create just a, that vibe on set. Um, I was trying to think of any memorable moments. I think, you know, for one thing I remember distinctly is when we were shooting that big scene in season four, Breaking Bad, where me and Brian have the big confrontation, mm -hmm. which I was so excited about. And a little fun fact, I'm a huge Dallas Mavericks fan. Go Mavs. <laughs> um, and of course the night before my big scene, you know, of all like I've had like all these one line little bits here and there, but of course I have this big scene with Brian. I'm very excited about it. It's they win the championship. <laughs> the one and only time they won the championship is the day before I'm called at like 538. Oh no. So I'm like walking in my hotel, like only have one beer, like in my bedroom, like watching it and like getting excited. And I was like, go to sleep, go to sleep. Can't. Um, so it's just hilarious. Um, but uh, I just remember that scene being so fun with him because he kept, he would always get really close to me. And he is, as with everybody on the show, like they're all actor actors. So they give as good as you get. So mm -hmm. like if it's cameras on you, they're coming at you full tilt. And so they, and they expect the return, you know? So that, as a theater actor, that's super fun. Cause that's not always the case in film, you know, like it's, it's a different jam. Mm -hmm. And I just remember us having so much fun that day. Uh, and when he goes through, he decided to crawl through that window and got kind of stuck okay. on the take. And I think that's the take they kept. And we laugh, like everybody's like, it's so Walt, you get stuck in the, in the blinds or whatever. We're like, ah! <laughs> um, so yeah, we had a lot of fun. Like he would keep getting close, like get close talking to me and kind of mess with me. And it was, it was just a blast. Those guys are super nice. Um, and same thing. Like I've had a lot of fun with Bob. He's, you know, uh, we, <laughs> he, he'll just throw, he'll kind of throw up some energy and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, that's what the scene is. I love it. Um, so yeah, I've had, I'm trying to think of any other memorable times, but that was that scene for that season four, that final scene. I just remember that take and us just like the DP laughing, like everybody was just rolling because we were just having a lot of fun and they didn't keep a lot of stuff. Yeah, like, of course. Were, like, going back and forth with each other for sure. Um, I, I love the fact though to know that that's the scene that they kept was where or Walt got stuck and that would be totally him, right? You know, coming off of this. Like, trying to like really be smooth and he was like got stuck and then he got mad because he got stuck and i was like yeah they kept it i love it or whatever it's the best yeah yeah i could i could see vince for sure you know that he's such an attention to detail and he would know that would be so much more you know believable right instead of just a perfect entrance no problem and unscathed yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's the deal right that's why i think the shows are so appealing to everybody because it's like it's perfect and it's imperfectness of the yes. characters like 
but nobody's 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 ultra clean nobody's like everything works in my face you know like it's like oh there's everybody's mixed up you know mm-hmm. so it's just like life um there's no you can align with all sorts of different people even the crazy people because they're a lot of fun to go with that's right with. that's right <laughs> Well, thank you for answering the questions uh, to that. And we have a couple super chat questions coming in. This one here is from Lisa Love. Uh, it's more of a comment slash question. She says, wanted to let you know how glad I was to see Francesca be a part of the prequel. We get to see more of her story. I have a feeling there's still a lot more between her, Saul, and Kim that we haven't seen. And I agree with that. And I know there's a lot of things, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, cast and crew are assigned to NDAs. There's a lot of things we, they can't discuss, right. you can't discuss. Um, do you, do you think you may, we may see Francesca in season six or is it something you, you don't know yet? I'm not sure yet. I, I hope so. I would think so. I think I so too. So, you know, maybe if everybody out in the, in the Gilliverse will burn some sage and do what, do their dances in the woods or whatever. Like, I sure hope I, I mean, like, I'll go back if they're like, can you just hold the door? For Bob to come in, like I, I, or like, will you brush Kim's ponytail out? Like that's great. <laughs> I'll do it. I will do it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean that that was so fun. Like I, I remember when I got the call that when the prequel, you know, I got my call to come to the prequel. The it was just so fun to see a different Francesca. Yeah. <laughs> and to have to be so like, and the outfits like reflected that. Like that was the thing that the customers like we're putting you in pinks and hearts and like we love this shirt with the birds on it or whatever. And it's like okay. Um, so it was a lot of, it's, it's, it's really fascinating. Like it, as if you're a super fans to go back and look at color stories and how characters devolve or evolve color wise. Yes. I'll tell you right now, like it is very meticulously thought about. Yeah. For everybody. I mean, you look at your for Walter White. Includes the sector art direction, the way it's shot, like, mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes they'll switch up staff just to get like, okay, this person has this vibe. We're going to switch it up to get this vibe in the season. Um, but man, they have some of the best DPs in the biz. So agreed. Right. Oh my God. Oh, I know. Like I just, every time I watch Saul, I'm like, how did they do this shot? You know, like, so I'll get on, I'm like, how did they do this? Oh my God, Marshall. So great. (laughs) I've had the pleasure. And I mean, when I say the pleasure, it was an extreme pleasure of having both Marshall and Michael Slovis on the show. And oh my God, Michael's the best. Oh, I know, right? Well, I had Marshall on when Tom was with me as co-host, and he's coming back, and uh, Michael on my own. And I'm, it was so hard. Like, I mean, I was trying to write notes all night long because I'm a photographer myself, an amateur photographer, I would say. But still, I was trying to take so many mental notes and just hearing these behind the scenes things, how they make things that we look, we think is so believable and so real, you know, like desert scenes with like little light bright type lights and heat canisters to make them twinkle and all that kind of stuff. Just so cool, you know, and the cameras oh in the weirdest God. places and oh yeah just the way that they come up with all the mouse traps and like oh wouldn't it be cool if we got this like you know there's certain signature shots that are breaking bad and like now kind of have come into the saw universe but you know it's like oh and the camera looks down this hole or this is coming up you know like like this is how we can incorporate this shot now and you're like oh my god it's yeah fascinating. did d- uh, did you know did you know the one little fun fact Vince shared this with us when he was on the show a few weeks back, you know, the scene where, you know, the teddy bear falls from the plane, right? The plane explodes. Um, and when they're shooting that, they, um, they use like a Canon DSLR on a, on a, they, they've decided to finally use a weather balloon and they're going to use. Oh, yeah, I heard this story. yeah. Right. And the camera, it just took off and it went like 200 miles away, whatever. That was hilarious. Oh yeah. And it was like this really expensive piece of equipment. <laughs> yeah. Probably a few grand easily just for that camera. You're gone. 
and it just flew off. Yeah, yeah. I remember hearing that story. I love it. Absolutely hilarious. I was glad he shared that with us. We have a super chat question from Race Grooves. Uh, says, hi, Tina. Anna Gunn got a lot of public hate for not support, supporting Walter. Uh, while you're not Saul's wife, did you get any hate for not supporting Saul in the end? No, I haven't. Not yet. No, yeah. you know, a lot, it's interesting with my, like, I'm not as visible as Anna. Mm-hmm. You know? Good and bad, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I haven't got any, I haven't got any shade. That's good. Uh, I, think, I think I'm just too, maybe just a little on the sassy side. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of like me and Huel and like those weird sidekicks that he's got. Like, we're just kind of like, mm. so I think, you know, when we come in, it's at certain specific moments, but no, I haven't gotten any shade. And it's interesting. Cause I usually, I don't get recognized usually, which is great. Yeah. Except for when I'm in a bar, which has been a long time. Since I've been, you know, with the corrupt. <laughs> and stuff, yeah. But, uh, but oh my God, it's always like there'll be one person in the bar and you're like, is this person drunk? But they just keep kind of staring at you and they're like, and you're like, they're like, do I know you? And you're like, well, I'm in place. Do you come to the theater? And they're like, no, you know. And I was like, do you watch television? And they're like, <gasps> you know, and so that's you. <laughs> so you're like, okay, great. Um, so it's just funny. I don't, mostly get recognized in bars. There you go. Well, I, I think people are a little too smart to to try and throw shade at Francesca because, you know, Anna Gunn, yeah. you know, and I've, it was horrible what happened to, to her, you know, in social media and things like that, too. And I know she's yeah. kind of taken a backseat to a lot of press because of it. Uh, incredible actress. And I mean, she really nailed that oh part. Yeah. But but people are, I think, maybe a little afraid, especially when they see the Francesca of Breaking Bad. Uh, you know, uh, I think people are a little, a little intimidated by her, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. She doesn't play. I mean, there's not, I mean, you know, like I, it, I'm just, what I'm curious, you know, if, if stuff develops with her in six, it's like just their relate, like the depth of what she knows and what's happened in that office is pretty like, yeah. you know, she, she's got a pretty big file and she will not hesitate to use it. So yep. um, she'll shut in and, and she'll, at the same time, like she, I think she is fiercely loyal to him um, in a way that's maybe different than with, with the Walter, relationship with Anna but the um but yeah so I mean I don't know she she wrote she wrote them to the end mm-hmm. I mean, and there's obviously with that flash forward which is what I'm curious about I'm like is anything gonna happen with that flash forward where it's like she gives me a card and I'm like whose card is this I mean I when I saw the card it was blank just mm-hmm. for the record <laughs> uh, but I was like hmm what's this nugget gonna be you know is it Kim is it who because that's what I was like because the reaction that they wanted, I was like, I wonder if it's Kim. Yeah. That he's asking me to call, you know? That's going to be interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is going to be interesting. Because, I mean, I don't know what you guys think out there, but it's like, I don't think she dies. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know, you guys. Fingers I'm hopeful. Cl- Maybe just because I am I love Ray so much. Yeah. Ray's a kick-ass lady. Um, and so, and she just smokes it and should have gotten all the awards this season, in my opinion. I don't know why she wasn't nominated as much as she, Come on. I don't I mean, get it. I don't get it. It's at, but man, that performance in season five was fucking great. Oh yeah. Um, but anyway, so I don't know. I'm I'm hopeful that she lives, even though their relationship, I'm sure, is like me and her. I'm mm-hmm. interested to see what that's going to be about. Well, speaking of Ray and yourself, you mentioned Betsy Brandt earlier and Anna Gunn. I mean, there's so there's so many powerful women, uh, you know, involved in, in the Gilliverse and not just on camera as well too. the writing staff. I mean, uh, I and. Yeah. And the the casting directors, I mean, everything is just so, I mean, hats off to the, the talented women behind the scenes and in front of the camera as well, too. Uh, very, it's a powerhouse uh, team, for sure. 
Yeah, and I think that that that's shows, you know, because they're not, I think Vince likes powerful, like, ladies who aren't afraid to say what they want, mm-hmm. which I, I really love, you know, like, his ladies are, his ladies are fully, like, have a nice round shape to that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and they're all different looking, which yep. is really cool. Like, I remember that was a cool, if people listening to the, had listened to the podcast, like, I remember when I was cast, mm-hmm. like, I had never heard the story of how I was cast. I know my personal experience, mm-hmm. but like, you know, when I read it, I thought, okay, this is going to be a blonde, skinny, big boob lady, you know, cause it was all about, he makes those sexual innuendos and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, not me, but I'm like, I'm getting called in, in Texas. I live in Texas, everyone. Um, and so that's, they were doing some remote casting. And so I just remember like, oh, well, whatever. I'm just going to address how I feel like I look good. Right. I'm not going to dress like a fucking no. secretary, which is really funny to make that kind of bold, weird, bold choice. So I dressed in this rockabilly dress that has apples on it and this black little thing shrug. And I was like, I feel like I look good. I'm going to do this. And I was like feeling pretty sassy. I walk in literally everybody in there's blonde and has like secretary outfits on. And everybody was kind of like, I think you came to the wrong audition. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I remember doing the audition, felt great about it. You know, the casting lady who I knew Tony was like, oh, it's great or whatever. And then I never heard anything, which I was like, my, it is what it is. I felt good about it. So, so. And then literally I got a call like, and was like, can you be on a plane in three hours? And yeah. And it's like, you booked it. And I was like, what? (laughs) And when you listen to the podcast, I heard Vince's side of it, which was like, I guess they were looking at a bunch of tapes and he was not seeing what he wanted. And he wanted somebody who was not, blonde big boot like traditional mm-hmm. yeah yeah or whatever something kind of untraditional looking um for the character and uh the casting hero was like well i have this tape and i really like her a lot like i've you know i've you know i like tina a lot and i don't know i bet you, i don't think she's right but you want to watch it and he was like that's exactly what i want Perfect. so i was like and that then i was cast and then i totally like i remember getting to the hotel and seeing the list and it was like bob odenkirk like i lost my mind because <laughs> i'm such a huge Mr. Show fan. Yeah. You know, like huge, like so many, I've watched that show so much. So I was like, kind of like, Oh my God, I'm like totally like geeked out. I'm not, you know, I've been on a few shows with a few stars and only occasionally like, cause I'm like, Oh, keep it, keep it on the, keep it on the, you know, keep it down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that I actually did say like, Hey, I'm going to geek out for a minute. I just really love Mr. Show. And I really love you. I'm sorry. And he was like, no, it's okay. <laughs> what if I just felt like such a like, I was like, I'm just going to get this out of the way and then we'll forget it ever happened. Well, you know, there's so many, so many shows that we all love. I'm sure you, you've done this before. You've, you've looked at some shows and thought, oh, I wonder how my favorite actor or actress uh, would have done this role. But, and so you take, you take Francesca, you know, and you know, everyone's showing up in the traditional secretary garb looking like they, they, they you know, I, I, I can't picture another person other than you doing that now. Right. It just, you've done it so well and it fits so well. And Vince being Vince, you know, I think it, everything worked the way it should have. Yeah, no, I was, I mean, I, thank God. I mean, thank God it worked the way it did. Yeah. And thank God I could just throw the weirdest clothes into a weird tote bag and jump on a plane, you know, like it was the universe firing at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, it was, I was so, I was like beyond like, <laughs> so excited, but literally like three hours, like I had to go home leaving like I was in an audition for like some mom commercial that I would never get okay and throw my crap into a bag and be like get on a plane and have no idea you know I think my mom came and took my cats or something like it was just bizarre it's not something life-changing moment yeah. isn't it I'm, I'm telling you yeah sometimes the universe works in your favor right yes it's I can relate to that favor or whatever it is the mocking jay line mm-hmm. 
I, I, I can personally relate to the universe working very, very well, especially right now. Um, uh, there, there is a super chat question coming in from Josh Gordon, and then I'm going to jump over and play some audio questions. I think we have one from Josh as well, too. Uh, but this is, this is a funny one. Uh, did you ever steal anything from the Blockbuster set? So, you know, Kim's kind of, uh, t- uh, you know, get, do, going on a binge of movies, and a, yes. lot, a lot of us don't even know what Blockbuster is, some of the younger folks out there. Um, I certainly do. I remember those days very well. But did you bring any souvenirs home from any of that set or anything else? I didn't. I've never, you know, I mean, if I get to go back, you know, maybe I, maybe I need to get, we got to get a little sticky fingers going on. I never really did ever take anything from the sets. Mm-hmm. Um, but Blockbuster, I'll tell you, like, because I loved, I, that was like a staple for me as a kid and like going to Blockbuster on Friday nights, like as a teen and getting your movie. So I just remember walking around that set with Ray and being like, oh, I love this movie. Like, we were like <laughs> walking around and looking at the movies and, and both of us sharing like memories of like, remember in high school when you'd go and you'd get this and, you know, this is before Netflix and chill. All right. Or whatever. We're, you know, it's a great time. So yeah. it was mostly just around and, and they had very, and per the universe, they had very specific movies that they wanted her to pick up. Isn't that something, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, to, yeah. to get in the wheelhouse of Kim Wex or what she'd want to be watching. Yeah. Absolutely. And what they wanted, like what would they want to show at this one point And what would the titles be? Cause they, and, you know, the same thing of like anytime you and I'm sure everybody knows this, but like if anytime there's a telephone number or a website on the show, it's usually live. Yeah. So like there's a phone like I remember when we were doing the first shooting in the when I was first shooting the prequel, they're like, you need to record a voice message for this phone number. And I was like, OK. And so it was like happy Francesca, like, oh, great, you did this or whatever, you know, like um, and it's because they they're like our fans, they love to they love stuff to be live. So, yeah, for sure. Cool. There's a uh, um, a question here from Eamon Wise, from one of our moderators. He says, "How do you see Kim's story ending?" So, just hypothesis, just like a hypothesis or a theory here. How would you like to see her story end? I don't. I. I, I you know. It, well, maybe just because I'm partial to Ray, but I'm like, can she go into like witness protection or yeah. get, banished, get banished somewhere? Um, I don't want her to meet a grisly end for some reason. I feel like. I feel like there's going to be some big schism that happens between the two of them, but something that puts her, maybe puts her in danger. I don't know. I feel like she's somewhere. I feel like she's somewhere. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I I have to, you know, it's been a while since I've watched breaking bad again. So I was like, is there any, there's not anything in there, you know? So I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of where I lean though. Yeah. Maybe just love Kim so much. I know we all do, right? I've seen, I saw some comments in the chat earlier, people saying if Kim dies, we riot and things of that nature, of course. And I shared the story with you off the air. Some people may not know this. You can, some of the viewers can see behind us. I've got the bobbleheads from our sponsors, uh, Royal Bobbles and uh, royalbobbleheads.com. And in the other room, I know you have two cats. We have two cats here. And our one cat, uh, Wendy, she knocked over the Kim Wexer bobblehead and it fell to the ground and snapped her head off, broke her head clean off. And so I took a picture of it. And I tweeted it out, you know, I tagged, you know, Tom and some of the, the cast and crew, whatever. And I said something, and I think Ray as well, and said, uh, you know, attention writers, please do not let this be a premonition of what's going to happen to Kim Wexer. And you saw her head literally on the ground. And Ray tweeted back and she said, I need to speak to this windy cat of yours. It was really funny. And then we glued her head back on and all is good. You can't tell from a distance. She looks good from here, but you look at her close and she's a Franken Wexer with uh, stitches across the neck and everything of that nature. But let's just hope it's not that. Yeah, I, yeah, I hope so. I, I, I mean, I don't know why. You know, I, I still, for some reason, my guess is like, is that card something with her? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like because it's kind of like, it, I feel like something bad has happened, 
with her, mm-hmm. but you know, it's like, why are you like in for him to give me that, that person to contact? I'm like, so is he asking her, you know, me to get her to represent me or to represent, you know, like protect me or whatever, or protect the firm, protect mm-hmm. him. I don't know. Like, that's kind of where I was. That's my guess, but yeah. I have no. No, I'm I'm feeling that as well too, and and as you know, being being part of the of the Gilliverse, you know what the writing team is like. They don't just kill people off for fan service, and they don't, uh, you know, it, they certainly don't just do it for fan service. And when you expect something, usually when you got your sights set on something else, it's a it's a one eighty. So who knows? Who knows? Well, a lot of people think there's going to be a death, but well, hopefully it's just a mystery. Yeah, I yeah, I'm curious because I'm sure they've probably had some stuff on the board for a while that we, you know, yeah, it's kind of like. Spoiler alert, I'm not it's not a spoiler to anybody here, but like, you know, it's like when in season four of Breaking Bad, when they blew up Fring with the bell, it's mm-hmm. like that bell, using the bell for something was on the board since season three. Wow. And so they're just like, whoop, pull it down. They're like, now is the time for the bell to be used. And you're like, oh, because I heard that in the podcast. And I was like, oh my God. Like, that's how detailed these dudes are. Isn't that something? I love it. Yeah, my God. Yeah. They always talk, all of them talk about painting themselves into a corner, the writers. And it's so nice because they get into those corners and like that bell could have been something like, what do we, we've showed this bell. Now what the heck are we going to do with it? Or the gun, you know, you know, episode one, you know, and then the finale, right? So yeah, it's, it's just crazy. So let's jump over in a second and uh, let's, let's play some of the audio questions. So the first one I'm going to play is from Karina. So here she comes. She's one of our moderators as well. And here is her audio question. Hi, Tina. My name is Karina. Francesca's had so many memorable scenes and seems to have mastered the art of sarcasm, especially in that Better Call Saul season four scene where there is a crossover into the Breaking Bad timeline. Are you a sarcastic person in real life? You're very good at that particular look. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think that's definitely in my sweet spot as far as just the kind of humor and stuff that I have uh in my personal life like i that's i like dark comedy i like you know that's that, she's definitely she's definitely in my <laughs> she's definitely in my psyche okay for sure awesome well that's good that's good to know and the second one i'm going to play is from josh i'm looking on the screen this is from josh gordon again so here's an audio question from josh hey tina I think Francesca has the biggest transformation of all of the Better Call Saul to Breaking Bad characters. As an actor, how do you decide how much you're going to take the character in the opposite direction? And did the, the producers tell you her change when they originally asked you to come back? Thank you. So, yeah, talking they, about transformation. Yeah, they didn't, actually. What was awesome was I, you know, they I got the notice that they wanted me to come in and uh, sent the scenes and I was like, wow, this is cool. Like just, it was all written in the text, you know, and then talking to them on set, it was like, we really want, you know, like we want her to have, you know, something happens to her to, to break, to break her into who she turns into. Um, and so playing with that was so fun, like just to be so like positive and like, it was such the opposite. Like it was actually a joy to play. Cause it's also a little bit even different than me. Cause I kind of been like, eh. It is what it is. Like, whatever, I'll do whatever you want. Um, uh, so, yeah, it was fun. I, I don't normally play that happy-go-lucky, like, oh, okay, I'll do, well, I'm, you know, let's have some fun or whatever. Like it, So it was all in the text. And um, they, you know, gave me a little 
you know, direction on set, but then it, it, the scripts really just t- take you where you need to go, which yeah. is awesome. They're, and it's to the letter. Like they, there's not, there's very little like, Hey, can I rewrite this line? Like that, that's not what happens on a breaking bad or salsa. Right. Like, unless there's just something that's like not working, mm-hmm. but the writer's usually on set with you. Um, and they're pretty to, they're always to the letter. The script soups um, are great. So to make sure you learn your, <laughs> you saying your lines correctly, <laughs> um, because you know, why, why fix it if it ain't broke? Right. Agreed. So. Agreed. hundred percent. Before we jump over to the next two audio questions, there's a super chat from Rogava. Uh, Rogava says, Hey Tina, love your performance. You've shared scenes with many characters in both Better Call Saul and Breaking and the Breaking Brad universe. Uh, whom would you love to share a scene with that you haven't had the chance to have one yet? That's the thing. Like, there's so many of the characters that you would have never crossed paths with. Are there, are there a few? I mean, Walter White. Yeah. I mean, with Brian Cranston, you've had the opportunity. Bob Odenkirk, you've got, you've got Ray. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of good ones. Any that you would just love to have had a scene with that you didn't have the luxury? Um, I would, you know, which I'll never have, the, I don't think it will ever come across, but I would love to be with Gus. I don't know why. He's just a lovely person and he's so good on the show that mm-hmm. I don't know why he would ever cross paths. But, and same thing with Mike. Like, strangely enough, we've never been on, <laughs> we've never been together. Um, other than like seeing each other behind the scenes. Like I remember my first day coming back for the prequel, I got, they were doing like looking at my hair and trying to figure out what we were doing. And they were shooting a close up of Mike's hands and he was like Jonathan Banks. And he was like, Hey, you can fill in for me or whatever. Like he's, he's, and I've sat in a makeup trailer with him before and he's so hilarious. So I would love to be, I would, I would just love to be opposite that at some point, but I know we'll probably, it will probably never happen, but I think it would be fun. Well, that's very cool. And as I told you off the air, we've got uh, Giancarlo Esposito on the show next week. So I'm going to say, oh. Hey, guess what? We've got a, our last, last week's guest would love to have been in the scene with you. Uh, we would love to, you know, <laughs> so I'll, I'll share that. Yeah, please. Yeah. Oh my God. Just cause he's so good. He's something else. He's really come a long way. And now, I mean, he's in so many things. I mean, you know, the Mandalorian junior and I started watching my son, Eric junior started watching the boys. We love it all the way through, you know, he's uh, he comes in late in that show, but still fantastic. Just everything he seems to get just turns to gold. And I mean, obviously writing teams, of course, but still great actor. Just a great actor. I mean, look, if you even just go back, even through his, like through his MDB, you know, his yeah, path or I know, oh, right. Realize that you were, you shared a cell with Eddie Murphy or whatever. In this I movie, know. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there's so many of the, like, he's such a good character actor that he kind of disappears and you don't really yep. recognize him in the he, early times. He's just, he's a, he's a lovely person. And just, I don't know. I've, I've always just like wanted, like anytime you can get on set with somebody who can really kill it acting wise, mm-hmm. that's just as an actor. That's just like, please. I just want to see what that's like to see if I can, you know, what kind of energy that is. Yeah. Um, he can be right in the forefront. He can also be a chameleon as well, too. Blend into the, as you oh, say. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, blend absolutely. right in. Yeah. Here's two more audio questions. This one coming in is from Lori. So we'll take it away with Lori's question. Hello, Great. Tina. This is Lori. I know that you've been active with the Kitchen Dog Theater for many years now. Can you tell us how you first got involved with them? And which has been most challenging? Are your theater work or the TV and movie projects? Thanks very much. Um, thanks for that. Um, yeah, I've, I'm the co-artistic director of Kitchen Dog Theater in Dallas, Texas. Um, we just turned 30 years old this year. Crazy. I know I don't look a day over 29, but you know. Um, <laughs> but I didn't found the company. <laughs> but you know, whatever. But I've been working with them since 93. So 
there most of my life has been spent with kitchen dog and we do kind of edgier plays world premiere plays i act direct sometimes design with the company and then i also produce stuff so um it, it's hard to say which one is more difficult like i think the the cool thing about being where i am right now in my life is that like um I ha- I'm able to do both. And so like it kind of balances out. So when you're like, I'm so frustrated at the theater, it always seems to time out like, oh, I got a gig. And so now I can go away and not have to think about money or like money as far as producing plays. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, how are we going to do this, produce this or this space or this play? Am I getting rights to this play? Whatever. And, you know, I need- the toilet is overflowing. Like how am I going to like literally <laughs> yes. not a sexy job to be a theater nonprofit administrator? Um, it's rewarding for sure. Um, but it's, it's hard work. Um, so I've had that kind of, it, kind of an interesting balance between the two, but you know, sometimes film and TV work, um, will give you an escape from, you know, like <laughs> it'll give you a reprieve from one thing. And then you're like, Oh, I can't wait to get back and do a play that's in order versus shooting out of se- out of sequence mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what's going on with the characters or whatever. So, um, there's things I love about both. Um, for me, I would say, you know, I still have a ways to grow and <laughs> learn more in film and, you know, film is, you know, I'm still learning. I feel like, I, I guess if you ever stop learning, then you probably need to quit. Um, uh, but I feel like I'm a little more experienced in the theater side. So but I don't know. I, I, I think right now I would say producing theater is the hardest just because at least SAG is getting everybody back to work and doing film. Um, right now the theater is still, even in Texas where it's wheels off, no mass, let's go crazy. Which yeah. I mean, um, yeah. Mm, uh, <laughs> don't like that so much, uh, especially in a forward fa- public facing business like theater. Um, so it's been really, a, the, the pandemic year has been particularly hard. Um, we've had to pivot. I hate that word, but we've had to pivot mm-hmm. so much been a particularly exhausting year as it's been for everybody like i know that you know i'm not alone in that um so right now i'd say film and tv is great because at least you know i can get away from like what are we gonna do i know yeah <laughs> how we stay alive how do we stay relevant do yeah. we do this i don't know um but yeah it's it's a, we do a lot of cool stuff we just produced a we did a play that we actually filmed so my film experience actually came into um which we didn't do for a live audience we tested out that, you know, we followed all the SAG protocols and filmed like a play. So it looked like a play. Okay. Um, yeah. But it was set in outer space and it's called Last Ship to Proxima Centauri. It was at, by Greg Lamb. It was a digital world premiere and it was fun because it was all about, it flipped race relations on its head. So it was about, you know, the earth went in the toilet and the, the ship got lost and they finally reached Proxima Centauri and they get there and and, you know, instead of being welcome, like instead there's a whole planet of people of color who are not happy to see them. Oh. Their plane is white. You oh. know, they're from Seattle, so most of their plane is white people. So it kind of flips that whole. <laughs> yeah. What's happening on its head, which in a very clever um, black comedy, um, very provocative way. So nice. it was fun to shoot. Yeah. So it's like you just got to keep getting creative. We've done parking lot concerts. We've done, you know. Mm hmm. Got to keep being creative, right? That's right. And that's one thing it has taught us. It's taught us, uh, you know, the pandemic's taught us a lot of things. And post-pandemic, I think we're going to use a lot of that as well, too. You know, businesses yeah. have had to adapt. And as you know, you, you know, people in the entertainment industry, like yourselves, have had to adapt. And it can still be a benefit after the fact, too. Well, and that's absolutely. And I think, you know, having worked on a lot of different 
all different budget sizes of films and TV shows and same thing with all different budget sizes and shapes and sizes of theaters. Like, it's not bad for us to have to have, you know, to clean up a little bit. We got a little dirty, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's good, you know, like, man, remember when we used, to, you know, because that was when the pandemic was coming down, I was shooting this low budget indie film in Oklahoma and, and I was like, everybody was trying to be aware of it. And I was like, oh my God, like 20 people have touched my body today, you know, between yeah. costume, makeup and mics and camera people getting close to me. You're like, oh my God. And that's not as, you know, so there's some good things that have come out of it. Plus just accessibility. Like, you know, it's nice that I'm able to see you to your face. Whereas like we're in, you're in Canada and I'm in Texas. So like, I think that there's cool things that make it possible for people who may not be able to go to the theater or may not be able to go to the movie theater or whatever, where it's like, no, you can still, if you want to see a play, you can see a play. If you want to see the movie when it's released, like my hope is that, that, you know, at some point, you know, things like that will continue. I know people got to make money, but of course, find a way, find a way to monetize it, you know, because there are people that need that access and it shouldn't be, you know, exclusive to people like of, of certain circumstance or whatever. So I agree. I don't know. And if you look at it too, like, I mean, we look back at social media, you know, we, you know, back in the days of, you know, of, uh, well, when Facebook and MySpace and things like that are starting to become connected and, and popular, you know, people are connecting all around the internet and, you know, families across the world are be able to reach out and see what they're doing for breakfast and communicate with photos and things like that. But the pandemic has even taken that to a step further where a lot of people that were afraid to embrace technology like that are now almost forced to, see, if they want to see their families and loved ones around the world, you either hop on these zoom calls or Skype calls or, you know, FaceTime or whatever, or concerts, artists are, you know, are in place like you just mentioned as well too. So it's, it's forced us into something maybe some of us aren't as comfortable with and can be a blessing if you think of it, right. It's made people now comfortable with technology, right? Absolutely. And I think, you know, yeah, I know we're all tired of zoom and we're all tired of doing things like that, but I, I think that I do think it's important to try to take these, some of these things forward. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, come on. <laughs> I know. Good have it's good to have, you know, like I'm thinking about like wearing the mask and yeah, sure. It's a pain and whatever. And I'm like, but I didn't have bronchitis once. Yes. Or flu. Like, and I always have bronchitis at least once a season, you know, and I had no flu or bronchitis or anything. And you're just like, Hmm, these masks, perhaps they work. I don't know. Think of oh. that in a bright side. I've never really thought about that, but yes, that's, that's a huge you know plus. What I mean? Like, think about it. Like normally you have a cold or normally you have whatever, you know, whatever's going around. Like I had none of that. Yeah. I was, I was listening to um, a local radio station here. It's a, a 101.1 FM, WRF in Detroit, one of the longest running rock radio stations that's close to us. And I heard them talking on the, their morning talk show the other day, and they were saying how uh, one of the things, you know, that's changed a lot during the pandemic is people calling in sick because everyone's working from home. And I thought about that. And, you know, people, you know, they could just say they're not feeling well. It's, but I mean, the funny thing is people don't want to call in sick now because I'm sick, right? Oh, you got COVID? You got to go get a test. So like whether you're playing hooky or you're for real, I think that is kind of making people not call in sick, wouldn't you think? Oh, yeah. One, two, like working from home. That's the thing I hate is like all of a sudden you're like, you you have, I have just the weirdest hours. Yeah. And it's like you look up and you're like, it's 10 at night. Why am I still working on this? And you're like, oh, because you started at a weird time because you slept strange. And like time is like a flat line. Like I don't know what day it is sometimes. So I know. Yeah. Um, that's the only thing is that you just got to be more vigilant about like, and, and work is over, like <laughs> closing it down or whatever. Cause it's hard to bring, 
you know, the end to your day sometimes because it's sitting right there. I know. And I work from home uh, pre-pandemic and I'll be working from home post-pandemic. And so I know what that's like. Yeah. Um, Two questions I missed. And then we're going to jump over to the last audio question from Kathy Latest. But I I missed a couple here. Uh, This one is from Craig Crow. And I hope I I know I pronounced that name wrong, possibly. But from Craig Crow, were you excited when you learned that we would see more backstory of your character in the spinoff? Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, yes. And like, I didn't know, like, they and I don't think they really, you know, the impression I got from Peter is like, they they weren't sure how much they would how much they would continue my story. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I really didn't know I'd have that many episodes. I thought, oh, it'll just be one. And then it, <laughs> but luckily, I was able to be available, you know, like I was able to do it. Like, I'm also running a theater, too. Um, hell, yeah, I was so excited. It was it's it's, you know, and it's really different, like to have that experience where you, um, you know, I have a lot like if you guys look at my history like a lot of times it's like come in do a couple of days or come in and do some spread out like scenes over a couple weeks or whatever so to actually be like oh you're in back to back to back to back episodes it was it was just it was a different thing and just how you get to know the rhythm of the set and the crew and and it was just lovely because I got to know people even better you know through the course of it um so yeah and and playing too it was nice like I really felt like oh like putting on the clothes and you're like, Oh, I see where we're going with this colors. You know, like, I know we're going to do my hair like this today. I love it. Or whatever, you know, like getting, you know, being really an active part of that community was really cool. And almost like playing two different people. Cause you know, they're so different, you know, so bubbly and, and better call Saul before she has to spend the lifetime with <laughs> Jimmy and then Walter white, you know? Yeah. Right. Just crazy. Right. Right. And it was, I mean, yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that I get to be at the DMV if I get to come back, you know, because isn't that where he finds me? Yes, yes. Well, who <laughs> knows? All dreams go to die. Yeah, that's um, right. That's right. Yeah. Um, a question from uh, VZ McCoy says, uh, the last we saw Francesca, she was headed back to work at the MVD. Uh, from that to shredding, bribing Walt, your thoughts and what made her break bad? I think it's just... Um, I don't know. I probably just all the things she's asked to do and as, and all the things that she, all the secrets she's been asked to keep. Um, I think she comes to realize her value. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not a dumbo. So I feel like, you know, she's pretty, pretty smart. And so once, you know, like even we saw that when she makes that call to Hank or to Hank, when they're on the art, when they're trapped inside that RV, mm-hmm. you know, she's the one who voices like, Oh, you know, your wife's in the hospital and all this. And it's like, more money like it's just like cool we'll do this but you're gonna pay me more money and like oh now you're gonna give me a clothing allowance and now you're paying for my apartment like they she's very much like it's it's cool i'll do whatever this is the here's the dollars here's the dollars that coordinate with this it's all business you know i feel like um i i I don't know i feel like at this point she just has to kind of cut cut off emotionally from this from the stuff otherwise you know it's too much so I agree. it's just like, just pay me more, pay me more money and, and I'll do whatever. Like, and she is, I think she is rock solid. Like I, <laughs> we'll see, watch, they'll have me be flip and go witness, you know, <laughs> flip as a witness. But like, I, I don't think she would. Like, I feel like she is, she'll go, like, she'll go down. She'll be paid well and she'll have a good, you know, be able to provide for whoever she wants to in her, you know, trajectory. Yeah. Maybe she'll finally get to go on her vacations of the magazine. Cause that's what I love about the magazines. I get to look, I always mark, like I'm always marking like the trip to here. Okay. And this golden turtle bracelet. And 
<laughs> you know, like that's what I'm always like. It's funny the magazine. I, I think it's because they, you know, you can you have to get clearance on what you're using. Mm-hmm. But there always seem to be like travel and this, you know. And I'm sure they're specifically chosen, but I just like to imagine like she's like, and this is where I'll be going for two weeks mm-hmm. without fit. Like this is what's going to happen. And being you know, waited like, on hand and like, foot. Oh, yeah, yep. it's all inclusive, baby. Like, and so wherever she's going with the end after she shreds all the stuff and gets her money from Walt, it's like, yeah, yeah I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, in, <laughs> I'll be my own Belize, probably not, but I would like to say Tahiti. That's probably she'll live one of those places with yep. the things over the water. I could see, know? I could see Francesca having some drinks on on a lounge and someone working on 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 her feet and a oh, big yeah. umbrella. Yeah, you know, totally pampered. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all funny. I mean, I really do think it's just become, that's what it's become for them. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a perfect segue. We're going to go into our last audio question uh, from our YouTube members. And and for people that are watching right now, if you'd like to send in audio questions, you can hit that join button down below uh, and you become a member of our channel and you can send in your audio voicemail questions. We'll play them for our guests each week as well too. So this one is from Kathy latest. And I believe um, I usually don't get a chance to listen to these questions until the day of the show and I get, and I prepare them, get them all the audio levels and set. And I think this one is dealing with that scene where there's shredding going on, you know, the, the infamous scene there. So let's have a listen to Kathy. And I'm almost positive that's what that one is entailing. Let's have a listen. Hi, Tina. This is Kathy. In the Breaking Bad episode Face Off, could you please let us know what that paperwork you were feeding the shredder was truly all about? I've heard a few things on what it was, but I'd like to know officially from you. Thank you. (laughs) To be honest, I didn't even look at the papers. It was all a bunch of numbers and legal, like it was like because they just get a bunch of like, it looked like medical files. Right? Okay. Like, but I don't, I, you know, because they never really zoomed in on the papers. Like it, it just, they like the idea of like the, what the papers look like. Okay. Um, and like really dense to where you couldn't really read them. Um, so I was just putting it all like it all just needed to go. And in my mind, it's all like financial transactions. Yeah. Offshore accounts people's business like in my mind that's what i was shredding was like in this client we're going to put them in the shredder because if any of this stuff comes off where he's done some dealings with offshore or um you know things for people's divorce or whatever you know like and i'm sure he's done all of it um you know or payments to certain people that's i kind of thought that's what we were shredding anything that could implicate him or me or anybody in any kind of funky stuff Exactly. Um, but the papers themselves where I want to say were like, they looked I, I my memory of them is like, they were kind of medical, but I could be wrong. Okay. Weird. Like it's a lease. Like that's how dense the, that's how dense the, the type was. And it was so light that like the, the fans mm-hmm. could didn't really yeah. zoom in and see what was on it. They do that. Don't yeah. they? Yeah. They, oh, they yeah. can solve some they things. Know, they, know. they know. That's why I said the thing about the numbers in the websites, like, they, that's why they buy them. That's why, like, they know that somebody's going to spend time and zoom in. So if they don't want you to see it, they will use something that will not, yeah, you know, not be a clue. Yeah, it, it's it's hilarious how attentive the fans are. I mean, people think oh I know God. so much about the show because I run a, a podcast talking about. It. I really don't. I learn from you know from from you guys, the the actors and the cast and crew. I learn a lot from the people in our live chats and things like that. So, so it's just fun to learn some of this folklore and and mystique that's out there, right? Right. And like, you know, I just thought of like, you're talking about memorable scenes, like in Saul universe. I just remember there was that long scene where Kim and I were putting together those notebooks. Mm-hmm. We had this 
we had this sequence of papers and like Kim is a, a Ray is, you know, we're trying to figure out the continuity of the shots. And like, we're just like, what notebook are we on? Like, it was so stressful. Like in, in, when that episode aired, she, she and I texted, and we're like, Oh my God, do you remember the notebook? Like trying to put together, like what page am I on? No, you started here and you need to go this way. And um, so it was a running like comedy text of like, what page you're in the middle of that notebook, you know, and this, space <sighs> and this, but, so she goes, all I remember is just being stressed out about the fucking notebooks. And I was like, yes, that's all I remember as well. Well, it's cool that you shared with us earlier tonight, the fact So we talked about the shredding of the documents, but it's cool to know about that business card being a blank business card. And I mean, you know, it, it could have been anything on there. It could have been a, 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 a number for a plumber. It could have been, you know, someone says got a business card, but that's how good they are. And it was, and that cleared up a lot of mystique for myself. Uh, you know, and I'll have to, t- I'll talk to Tom Schnauz and ask him about some of the documents on, uh, in the shredder, see if he remembers yeah, what they were. Him, yeah, because I, my memory of them is that they just look like medical, medical, not like a lease numbers, you know, like, but don't make any sense, like no names or anything that you would know. Yeah. And I, and I do remember that because I, because they were real specific about how I held the business card, but like that you couldn't see any side of it, but I don't remember anything being on it. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. I, it's good to know. I just react this way. And I was like, okay, like you just, you're like, yeah. I'm going with it. Okay. Whatever you want. The most surprised, uh, being the most surprised looking at a blank business card, you probably ever will in your life. Right. <laughs> exactly. You're like, mm, what is this business card? That's right. Yeah, that that's great. Well, it has a baby, you know? Exactly. Well, as we get ready to wrap up here, I just want to check with you as well too. Do you have anything coming up down down the line that you'd like to share with us? Anything in pre production, post production, anything that you uh, you're planning on working on? Yeah, well, there's. I just did something, but I can't really talk about it. Okay. Um, but I have like I have a blink and miss me. I have two lines in Minari, okay. which is nominated for Oscars right now, um, and. You can look for me in the church scene. I literally have two lines, but that movie is like, you know how we were talking about story and special, special projects. Mm -hmm. I knew, even though I had two lines, I knew on that set when I got on there and when I read the script that this was a special script. Um, And just again, same thing with that show, like the attention to detail. um, And also like they shot it outside of Tulsa and the diversity that they had on the production team, because I've worked a number of times in Oklahoma and I love it and the people are lovely, but it's not necessarily the ver- most diverse cr- like crew. Mm-hmm. And like, so I don't know, like they were able to, you know, to bring in all different people of color and different heads of departments. And it was just refreshing. Like I was like, this is amazing. Um, so kudos to a 24 for making that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, it just was like that script and those actors, it was just, so I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it, you'll see me for two lines, but hey, it's, who cares. Yeah. But that movie is great. Like it's worth your time. It's worth your investment in the prime to stream it or whatever. It's, it's a really cool, just, I'm so excited for the recognition that it's getting because um, it's a, it's a very special show. So I was excited to be in that. And I'm, I have a medium sized part in a, a kind of a horror Western where I play, I get to actually be part of the cowgirl, a part of a cowgirl and the gang of cowboys who are robbers called um, the pale door uh, that came out during the pandemic, I think around in the fall. And that, you know, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, low budget Western horror. I get to ride a horse. I got to shoot guns. I had the biggest guns. Cool. Of anyone. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So again, a little sassy because a lot of people love to cast me as a sassy lady. Why? I don't know. You know, what's happening? Nothing more sassy uh, than uh, big guns on a horse, for sure. Yeah, you know, right? So yeah. it was, a, her name's Brenda. 
Um, that works. I had, a great, I had a great hat, so I really wish I'd taken that hat. Um, <laughs> so those are the last couple of things for me, and then I just shot something else, but I can't really talk about it. So. No problem. Um, but something else cool coming out soon. Good. Well, let's <laughs> let's hope let's hope fingers crossed that we might see yeah. Francesca in season six, yes, and then maybe in late twenty twenty one we'll get you back again and we'll talk about the new things that you can't talk about now and maybe yeah. a recap on season six. That'll be yeah. great. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here this evening. I want to thank you so much for your time. And it's a great way to kick off our everyone's weekend. Uh, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. And uh, I, I greatly enjoyed your time this evening. Thank you so much. It's been super fun. Awesome. And love to everybody. Thanks for just loving the show, man. Like that's, we, I know everybody feels it and that everybody wants to, everybody wants to do right by the fans. So you're definitely part, like <laughs> you're definitely an active part of what's going on in the, in the, in the process. I know that to be true. So Guar- best fans in the world. Guaranteed. And before I let you go, I'll say goodbye to you off the air. I have to make some notes for these things as well too, just so I don't forget. Um, but first and foremost, I want to thank my beautiful Sandra Lee, who is our executive producer here of the show. I certainly wouldn't be doing this uh, without her. And uh, she's texting me notes as well throughout the evening as well, making sure everything is running smooth. Uh, but also I'd like to uh, thank our show sponsors, Warren and Rachel at bobbleheads.com. They are the providers of all the bobbleheads you see back there as well too. And they're going to be giving away um, several Gus Fring figures next week when we have Giancarlo Esposito on the show. So thank you to the team there. We'd also like to thank all of our channel members, our Patreon supporters, our channel moderators, our YouTube subscribers, Super Chatters, PayPal donators, and those that buy our merchandise at the Broadstash Boutique. You can see like things I'm wearing right now. And uh, also, if this is your first time checking out our show, please hit that subscribe button down below. And I promise personally to work just as hard to keep you as a subscriber as we did to get you as one. And again, tune in uh, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time next week. As we mentioned, Giancarlo Esposito, Gus Fring will be in the house. Uh, Chicken will be served promptly at 9 p.m. And maybe some curly fries. And if you're on Instagram and Facebook, check us out at Inside the Gillivers. Tina, I'm going to say goodbye to you off the air. Everyone have a fantastic and safe weekend. And uh, we will look forward to seeing you right here, same time next week. And until then, cheers. Thanks again for tuning in to Inside the Gillivers with Eric Broadbent. Be sure to check back each week for more great discussions and interviews with cast and crew from Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul.